Hey and welcome to another episode of the Odd Couple podcast. I'm Arjun, I'm Siddharth, and I'm Dr. Shish. And I'm also dying. Oh shit, what happened? You have a doctor, dad. Don't worry, I won't let you die there. Okay. It's my moral duty <laughs> to make sure you're alive. <laughs> I was just checking for like covid symptoms and all that because suddenly it's like okay this might be a symptom that might be a symptom but then so I googled it and turns out I have Meniere's disease which is an imbalance of fluid in my uh, ear lobe ear uh, Arjun you don't have covid you're just an idiot that's what you are oh thank <laughs> you care to elaborate no but 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 not idiot like an imbecile you know but idiot like internet derived information obstructing treatment type of syndrome wait wait hold on hold on hold on say it again slowly there's something called internet derived information obstructing treatment so the acronym is idiot oh wow so it's called the idiot syndrome for people who google their symptoms and derive all type of self diagnosis self diagnosed diseases yeah interesting so I get it a lot because I happen to I mean obviously I'm sure everyone does also I happen to do it a lot and everything tells you you're obviously dying you always go to a worst case scenario very rarely have I googled something that tells me I'm all right but from your perspective do you have patients coming to you saying doctor I checked it out and <laughs> obviously dad like hell yeah before the pandemic it was okay it was there but after the pandemic it is like crazy because uh, most of them now don't come to the hospital because they're scared to come to the hospital so they're just googling their symptoms and uh, trying to figure out what's wrong with them and uh, then all these preconceived notions are built up in their head by the time they end up coming to us and telling us about their problem they've got everything figured out in their head so it becomes really difficult then to break down that whole castle which they built in their head so yeah after the pandemic it's become worse really really bad man interesting so it's basically an irrational fear of contracting a disease or something like that i guess it starts very innocently whatever their problem is it starts very innocently because one is they feel like the internet they are able to access most of this information there which is true the internet does have a lot of information and two with the covid scenario they don't want to come to the hospital so then yeah where do you get your information from before you'll go to the pharmacist if not the doctor and then that pharmacist is just chugging some type of drug out to you only in india this happens but yeah uh, now they've skipped that guy also because everything is online so they you don't need the the pharmacist baba now so they'll just google everything on google doctor and then go to the to online pharmacy and pick it up i am a hypochondriac may not be clinically chronic hypochondriacs so what is it called i'm not too sure you're not a hypochondriac i'm think i'm a hypovigilant and i yeah. know that i live a inherently unhealthy lifestyle and i always worry what's going to happen or even a small let's say a palpitation or a muscle fatigue as you call myalgia which is triggered by my anxiety leads to obviously <laughs> as you said googling and becoming an idiot which is the right opposite of what i really want to be but i sometimes wonder is the google or any search algorithm shouldn't it be smart enough to read symptoms to not automatically go to cancer it's either you have a common cold or, or you have tumor or cancer or, and you're going to die in 6 months yeah it goes to the worst thing there's nothing always. in between saying that hey go see a doctor stop googling there has to be some kind of a warning like that no i think they give you all that warning before and by saying that oh, you should not take all this advice and you should go to your doctor for final they, i think they give that to you in fine print 
Yeah, that they tell you 99% of the chances that you're dying. But hey, go check out with your doctor first. You just choose not to read all that. So you don't have to pay me my consultation fees. That's all, Sid. That's all the problem is. I know it. I know. <laughs> See, I think it's a very complex problem where one is self-diagnosis. Then the other is obviously self-medication, of which you diagnose by yourself and you self-medicate, which, is, which I think is even more serious than self-diagnosis because... Step one itself is wrong and step two is obviously going to be wrong. And then you finally go to a doctor and since you claim to that you know a lot, you may not be 100% honest with the doctor about all the symptoms that's supposed to be serious. Is it harder to treat a patient who reads a lot and comes to you? Does it lead to misdiagnosis because he's read too much, he or she? Yeah, I'll tell you why that is. It's not just the fault of the patient, it's also a doctor. So we are two humans who are going to be discussing this problem. So any patient who comes in and is giving me their symptoms, if he's Googled it before and now he starts having these preconceived notions as to what he already has because Google has taken him down this rabbit hole and he's uh, gotten somewhere. Now, when he comes to me, right, and starts telling me his symptoms, you have to understand that for us, we are built in a way to reach a diagnosis. So we don't start with a diagnosis. We start with a lot of diagnosis. We put a lot of diagnosis into a box. So the minute you start saying, I have pain, I have this, okay, this many diagnoses go in. So now I need to, as I'm listening to your story, I'm throwing out a diagnosis, throwing out a diagnosis, throwing out a diagnosis. But when you start harping on something, which is, this is more prominent because you've read it in Google. So now you feel strongly about it. You are making me chase you down that rabbit hole with you. Now, normally I might not have done that. Because I'd be listening to all your symptoms and playing with the diagnosis in my head. And then I choose what is more relevant to fit one diagnosis and say, okay, this is what your problem is. So that is the, the way it happens. It's not just you, but you take me along with your ride. And that and then we lose time, which we shouldn't have in the first place. I think you should thank the hypochondriacs like me and other people who are, let's say, cyberchondriacs. I think that's the word that we can use. Wow. Did you just coin that word now, Sidhu? Go trademark it. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, already, we already came to that point. You guys are idiots. <laughs> like I was saying earlier, I think you guys should thank the cyberchondriacs. I think the whole industry of your testing and scans and everything is fueled by these guys. Because when a cyberchondriac comes to you and they'll say, hey, doc, listen, I think I'm having this XYZ. And you obviously will not... Uh, take it lightly and you will ask for tests and scans to ensure that to tell him listen there's nothing wrong with you at least here's proof of that because i think there are two types of cyberchondriacs one is somebody like me who by talking to you dr sheesh and listening to you i feel okay thank god there's nothing wrong with me i'm normal okay these things are within normal range and my anxiety levels comes down and i'm much calmer and i don't worry about it too much But there are other people who have this whole white coat syndrome, which they get very worried around doctors. They don't trust doctors easily. Yeah. Probably because they're so hypochondriac that they have had interactions with doctors that who have never been able to diagnose them. And that leads to frustration. So how do you see this whole thing? I think we have to classify them as two different patients, you know, like... uh... We have those guys who are genuinely like hypochondriacs. We have those patients who are malingering. Uh, You know, malingering is where 
they don't have anything but they're just lying about their symptoms for attention or whatever oh okay so we have those kind of patients also and then we have patients who are just have some type of disease or chronic uh, ailment which has gone undiagnosed for a very very long time i would put them across like that and then you need to identify those people and treat them accordingly now like what you said now doing all these tests and everything it's different there's a patient now let's assume now that you come in and you've got pain in your knee and i probably just do an x-ray for you and i see the x-ray and i say you know what your x-ray seems normal your symptoms are not so bad we don't need to further investigate let's wait for some period of time and see if you're okay but that might not satisfy you at all so you're going to be like no i'm not satisfied so either you're going to go doctor hunting or doctor shopping after that which is you'll jump from this doctor to that doctor to another doctor and everybody's pretty much going to nobody's going to follow what your problem is now because you're just jumping so ultimately at the end of the day what you wanted was an mri to say that okay we've done the mri scan also and you're fine so you got to identify that guy who needs that you know now some person will hear okay like you if i tell you and you trust me you're going to be like okay we did the x-ray and you're fine no need going down and doing an mri another guy would be like no without you doing the mri how can you tell me i'm all right so now most of the doctors will then go in and then start practicing just to be safe they'd be like okay let's just order that mri it might be absolutely useless right so right. you really need to identify the patient psyche and you're not just treating the disease you're treating the patient also that's the thing okay dr shish in terms of okay you said hypochondriacs and malingerers no so the hypochondriac genuinely requires that kind of reassurance right like he's fine yeah that stems from a sense of anxiety yeah do you call out the malingerer saying day stop lying <laughs> i mean you have to understand it stems from somewhere right some form of insecurity is what comes out as malingering now you so we have these like when i was doing my residency program right it have these girls will come in all fainted with their boyfriend it will bring them suddenly the girl has fainted and stuff like that so there's a very simple test which you do when she's lying down over there one is you can take your knuckle and just rub it into the sternum and they'll just jump right up two is you lift the hand up and if you leave the hand the hand should drop right down onto the face if the guy is really fainted Well if the guy is malingering his hand will automatically move away and you know oh. will not hit his face it will avoid the face so we got these small little tests which we do do you know and then the really you know that the wicked nurse over there they, they've got these like really pungent uh, for like formaldehyde and so they just take it and put it to the nose she'll jump for a life you know yeah <laughs> you know she just jump for a life so yeah so We've got our methods there. <laughs> so Arjun, next time you faint, <laughs> remember this. I make sure that hand just goes splat <laughs> on my head. <laughs> it doesn't. Go try it. It just it doesn't. You can't do it. it. You know, as much as you try not to do, you can't do it. It's like it's like you trying to suffocate yourself by not breathing. You know, it's not interesting. Going, it's not possible. I think we've kind of covered um, this whole. hypochondriacs and your malingering 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 is it m a or m e m a i think malingering you're asking doctor for spelling a malingering i think okay here's a good question is it because you guys don't know the spelling that you guys don't write legibly yes that is the honest truth i i don't understand why these buggers create such hard names when they don't know how to spell also there you know yeah So what is what is spelling a diarrhea? My ass. <laughs> yeah, why is it hoya? Diarrhea. Is <laughs> uh, it go back and ask all these old buggers who named all these names, no? 
So I was reading an interesting topic the other day where I heard there's similar issues or similar fears or a syndrome of sorts with medical students in their second year because they're reading so much about new diseases and everything i think it's called the medical medical student syndrome or disease nosophobia or something like that really yeah yeah where these i have not heard of it <laughs> waste <laughs> <laughs> i mean it is a very interesting thing where all second years do not all a significant bunch of second years usually who are exposed to these diseases and i think you have a pathology or whatever it might be that particular chapter where they feel that the the symptoms and stuff like that and they because they're reading so much about it it's an over exposure to a particular thing that you end up being hyper aware about these things it's highly possible get influenced by it but yeah as a student especially you be right when you're saying that because uh, as a student we're playing with a lot of symptoms but we don't know so many diagnoses so when you don't have a knowledge of the diagnosis then everything starts getting confused so that's what we have to understand actually it's it i mean i just take it back to the whole search engine problem the problem with why it really doesn't work with the search engine is just that which is the search engine has a lot of diagnoses it's the absolute opposite of what the student is feeling the search engine has a lot of diagnoses but the problem for the search engine is that we have very few symptoms how many symptoms do you have you have pain you have have stomach ache you have a cold you have flu you have a fever these are the symptoms your body only has a few ways of saying it has a problem oh. so even cancer or your common cold is all going to have pain is have fever or something like that so now the problem for the search engine is it has so many diagnoses with so many similar symptoms for a student the problem was opposite where he had a lot of symptoms and didn't have diagnosis so he didn't know where to fit it in the search engine is doing the absolute op- opposite so that is why when a doctor is listening he's got the diagnosis and he's listened to your symptoms but there's also the history of duration how long this has been there the intensity this you can't explain to the computer right how intense is that pain how is it is it cruciating is it is it dull aching is it there for a long so and then when you see it third part of it so you have the complaints the history then you have the examination part of it so then you examine so you've heard the history got the complaints and now you examine that part and then you see is it warm you touch and feel now to you you might feel like your whole leg is warm to me this part and the other part it seems same so when i examine you i finally come down to the last bit of the diagnosis so then it's a holistic approach which we use which the search engine can't do and that is why most of them will throw you down the thing finally okay if it's not sorted with this then you end up with cancer because cancer has all the symptoms underneath it so yeah so arjun congratulations you're not dying nice so yeah i think it makes a lot of sense oh, dr shish i wanted to ask you something about physicians using google because i read recently physicians using google when they have let's say or 10 or 15 minutes or half an hour to check out information they use a search engine yeah a second only to peers or colleagues see it it exists i'm not going to say it doesn't exist everybody does google even the physicians do google and my reason where i think that we do google is see in your practice right uh, you get caught into these diseases which you see more commonly so most of the time when we are 
in a certain specialized field, you're seeing those commonly those type of patients. Now, when you have an off patient who comes inside suddenly with different history and, and problems and chronically is having it and it's not been sorted out for a long time, then you've got to think outside the box. And so that's when all your experience comes into play. But having said that, you have to have an idea of what you're Googling. Because if you don't know what you're Googling, then you're going to be searching. You'll, there's no difference between you and um, the patient. The physician will always have an idea of what the problem is. And he's going to be looking at it down that avenue and seeing and searching for something which is different from what he thought and which could be a possibility and why this patient has not been cured till now. So that's the difference of approach when a physician is doing it. We have to understand that all this information is great. It's not bad, but it's how we use it. So if the patient had come to me first and we come up with a diagnosis together that, okay, this is what most probably you're suffering with. And then the patient goes out and then Google's what we have come to a decision, you know, it's the, between the doctor and him, what the decision of the diagnosis is, he'd probably have a better understanding. And what about self-medication? Because I see a lot of abuse happening on that front because it is part of self-diagnosis, which leads to a lot of self-medication, which I mentioned earlier. Yes, it's okay for fever, cold, cough, all those minor ailments is fine. But when it gets to slightly more serious things, where I see a lot of people self-medicating and ignoring symptoms, purely because they're just afraid of doctors or going to a hospital and they have a phobia on that sense. What's your suggestion on that? I don't have any suggestion. You shouldn't do it is my whole take on it. Because see, we have created such a problem today just because of our parents' generation. Mm. I think like my dad and his generation were the kings of self-medication. Anything, any fever, take this antibiotic. Anything, take this paracetamol. Take this pan. They always are just throwing antibiotics at us for everything. And you know, today, because of that, the amount of resistance which we have created to antibiotics, India abuses antibiotics left, right and center. And when I tell my patient, you don't need an antibiotic, they look at me like I'm a quack doctor. That's the level of the problem in India about it. And trust me, I'm sure our audience will relate to this because they've all done it. Oh, yes. Um, we, I think all of us are guilty. Yeah. Any fever, Papa antibiotic. There's a really sad story which I heard the other day. You know, I was taking, a, uh, you know, before the pandemic, I was having a swim and I met somebody in the pool. And he's um, they're one of those um, scientists who study birds. So she was telling me that the vultures of India are completely dying because of even in animal uh, husbandry they're using a lot of antibiotics there and so because of it it all gets transferred over to the next uh, animal which eats it and so you know ultimately at the end of the day the whole vulture line is gone India per se has abused antibiotics and we will definitely pay the price for it because of the number of resistance strains which are coming up and we are not creating antibiotics every day so you've got your set classification and within that we are trying to create newer drugs you know so from this antibiotics and, and our abuse of it, which is the classic side effect of self-medication, how about home remedies? Is that a safer route to go with? Because it usually does not 
involve antibiotics? Yes, yeah, see, you know, home redi- remedies are okay. You know, I don't have a problem. I, I, I do tell a lot of my patients to use a lot of home remedies because a lot of home remedies, like, you know, if my child has a cough, my wife would make uh, honey, ginger and uh, black pepper and give it to my child. And that's a home remedy, right? Then uh, using a hot water bag on, on a joint which hurts is a home remedy. Yeah, I have garlic, uh, two garlic clo- uh, pods, <laughs> Every morning, I, I believe it aids my digestion and uh, my gastric issues have come down drastically. Yeah, so that's where we have to be a little logical of what we're doing. Now, I tell my patients this, that, okay, you've got arthritis. Now, because you have arthritis, you cannot just sit down there and put a hot pad to your knee and get some oil from some Ayurveda place and keep rubbing it and saying it's going to go. It's not going to go. Invariably, you're going to go from a stage one to a stage four, and then you're going to need to replace your whole knee. But uh, if you identify what the cause for it was, because there are various causes for that. You could have a rheumatoid arthritis. You could have a gout. You know, in gout, if you just alter your diet, you're sorted. You need to get a diagnosis. The problem is in India, we don't have a diagnosis. There's very little attention which is put into making that diagnosis because everybody is doing symptomatic treatment. So if I just treat the symptom, then after one week, I forget the doctor, I forget everything. We don't need a diagnosis for it until the next episode. Right. But if we sort it in India and we make diagnosis, then you you give the patient the proper remedy, which is and sometimes home remedies might just be enough also for it. But you need that diagnosis. Dr. Shishi, when you talked about like making diagnosis, and I had this uncle uh, who was a doctor, and his main problem is he said, no one does clinical diagnosis anymore. You don't have a doctor who like gets into the root of the problem. He says the whole he brought about the whole why your family doctor knows best because if you go to a hospital there's like okay fine that three day running fever or that ache in the knee or whatever sorted until next time his his whole rant was about people don't there are no clinicians is that the term don't exist yeah and no more not don't exist he says you don't have a doctor basically his basic thing is you don't have a doctor tapping your knee and opening your mouth and reaching in no yeah i mean come on see if you look at it you know india has got the best of both worlds if you ask me that as much as we complain about India, it's got a great medical system which has worked really well with whatever resources which we have. And compared to most worlds, we have a government system which provides free treatment for patients as well as a private setup which is there for, you know, all high-end stuff and for people who can afford it. Now, uh, abroad, you either have like, uh, you're either paying through your nose for it or you've got uh, something like the NHS or, or, uh, or what is there in Canada, you know, where the socialistic medicine. Both have their drawbacks. I think we've evolved from the general physician, but the role of the general physician is still very much there. The MBBS doctors now, they feel like, oh, maybe they don't have such an important role to play like they used to play before. Because, you know, after MBBS, they were the guy who used to treat you holistically for your knee and everything. Now, if you go abroad, you have to see a GP. Only once you've seen a GP, can you go and see a specialist. But in India, you have that option that you can go directly and see a specialist. You don't need to stand in the line, see a GP, then get referred. So if you've got a knee problem, you're going to go and see an orthopedician. You've got chest take you're going to go and see a cardiologist a lot has changed in that sense that the gp guys don't have so much of a role to play and it's more like the speciality people who are playing now and that's why he feels that way but they do exist they do exist yet it's not like they don't exist in the two tire cities and all especially they have big uh, role to play so how should people get the information one yes there is an over uh, exposure to information everything's at your fingertips now what is the best way to go about it especially for people like me who are hyper vigilant 
borderline hypochondriac who is wondering why there's a palpitation or why is there strange twitch in my finger or why uh, am I breathing? Am I breathing heavily right now? Uh, does that mean I have coronavirus? Immediately start uh, checking. So what is the best way for us to gather information and when is the right time to reach out to a doctor? There's never a, there's never a right time. When you have a symptom where, which is bothering you, when it becomes such a tick in your head that you need to Google it, it means you need to see a doctor. Now, like what Arjun said, I think we pretty much eliminated that middleman who was your GP, you know, your general practitioner. And ideally, what you should be doing is instead of Google going and seeing him, and he would sort out the problem then and there and say, no, you know what, you're paying too much attention to this stuff, just let it go. Or no, you know what, it's better you go and see us. Uh, uh, what is it? A specialist, you know. But we've eliminated that guy and given the role to Google. That's a super point, actually. If you think of it, no. I mean, you have a doubt. You usually used to go to a family doctor. Now you have a doubt. You go to Google, and then you decide it's an ortho problem or a neuro problem or whatever it is, and then you go make an appointment. Oh, I completely agree with that because having somebody who you trust, who has actually spent five, ten, fifteen years studying studying this so go to them trust them they know much better they obviously seen far more cases on this particular front and they can probably guide you much better than probably a search engine algorithm which randomly throws out the worst case scenario and like Arjun said earlier he's going to die but hopefully he's not dying eventually da. eventually so will all of us will die that's the permanent solution to all symptoms but there is something even more dangerous than google do you know what it is? It's your neighbor. <laughs> I swear to you. The neighbor uncle attacks again. <laughs> really, really, really. So, anytime you are discussing your modality of treatments and everything and you and your patient come down and you've come down to a diagnosis and uh, you finally tell your patient, okay, this is what we're going to do for it and sort the problem out. Probably it's surgery or whatever it is. And then they look at you and they'll be like, sir, but my neighbor was telling me that we should probably do it like this. And I'm there looking at them thinking, <laughs> dude, I've invested so many years sitting, educating myself and I'm giving you an opinion. And your neighbor's probably either a coder or an accountant or your pal Karan and he's giving you the opinion and, it, and, and you value it so much over more than what the doctor says, right? So which is really, really weird. Yeah, if you have a doubt about this uncle or this neighbor, please refer our first episode. We have discussed extensively on this topic. So do not trust your neighbor, at least for this particular thing. Let's trust people. It is both your neighbors as well as your relatives. They'll say, oh, I had this particular thing. Don't worry about it. Everything will be fine. The thing is, the certain things you have to take seriously, certain things you shouldn't. But it's best to allay your fears and doubts by consulting a professional, whether it's physical or mental. And uh, there's a story which comes to me about um, these young parents who had come with their child. What happened was their child um, had fallen and had broken their bone. And uh, hmm. their uh, near and dear ones advised them to go and undergo native treatment instead of coming to a hospital. And it's very common in India to have these bone setters. You know, there's this local area where there's a lot of these bone setters and they go there. They tied uh, the bandage or they set the bone and they tied it up so tight 
that uh, ultimately the vascularity was um, compromised and finally uh, the hand turned gangrenous and had to be amputated and that was a huge price to pay for a small child especially because of the ignorance and just not only the parents but you know their own well-wishers you know i always tell them that out of the 10 patients who go to a bone setter probably 5 or 6 of them will all have good results and they only see the good results but the other four or five patients who have bad results i see them all the time and those patients really have it bad for them so that is why i feel sometimes you know the ignorance is you know causes them to pay a really heavy price another story which happened very recently to one of my friends and this is a really funny one i mean in the sense it was like he had some gastric issues you know he had some indigestion or whatever and uh, he called up my friend and my friend gave him an medication um, for indigestion he went away for a day or two and then he got back to my friend saying that you know what i took your medication and after that i developed this lesion at the back of my shoulder so my friend was like i really okay stop the medication if you feel a thing he's like yeah because i googled this and you know uh, one of the uh, side effects which came up was uh, this type of uh, irritation redness and uh, lesion so um, i stopped it but you know i just wanted to tell you that you know please don't prescribe this type of medication my friend was taken aback but he was like okay you know what maybe so but so he asked him can you show me your lesion and he saw the lesion he was like this doesn't look allergic man this looks like it's probably you know a herpes lesion and uh, that guy was like please it's okay enough you know i just called to tell you don't give me any more advice on what medication to take etc anyway this guy is gone and he's left it on like that and now he's developed uh, post hepatic uh, neuralgia and now he's not able to move his hand and now he's undergoing treatment for that he can never click on a link again <laughs> he didn't know the cause and he thought he understood what the reason was because he googled it and you know and again he paid a heavy price for it so so this is what i'm trying to say there are a lot of bad apples in every industry i'm not going to stand and defend that but having said that if anybody has your best interest at heart is it is your doctor because every doctor is trying to create a career for himself and his career's growth will only grow by word of mouth and only if he's done a great job for that patient and that patient is relieved of his pain or his ailment will that patient ever send another patient to this guy it is in in the doctor's best interest that he does a great job yes sir. we as highly ignorant patients we complicate things i think for ourselves by googling a bit too much just go to your friendly doctor neighborhood doctor trust him he'll guide you the best not all doctors are out to get your money but just because of bad few bad apples do not put yourself at risk and trust your own ignorance by either being scaring yourself by googling stuff or ignoring some really important stuff so yes do google do all of that but also see a doctor at the same time it's very important for both your physical and mental health to go see a professional please do it so it is a lovely chat dr sheesh arjun should we give dr sheesh's number here or <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much dr sheesh i think this chat itself has elevated a lot of doubts from my own mind uh, which and few symptoms have 
suddenly died down even within me. So thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Uh, do subscribe to us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, as well as at Twitter. We do run some really fun contests. There's a fun contest coming up soon, so watch out the space. Until the next time, this is Siddharth. This is Arthur. And this is Dr. Sheesh. Goodbye. Thank you.